This is Stories from Palestine podcast. My name is Crystal and I live with my Palestinian husband and two children in Beit Safafa between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. I studied the tour guide program at the Bethlehem Bible College and I recently graduated. Listen to weekly new episodes about the history, cultural heritage and reality of life in Palestine. On this day, the 1st of August 2021, as I'm releasing this new episode of Stories from Palestine podcast, we were expecting that Israel would reopen for individual tourists. But recently they have decided to postpone that until further notice. So we still don't know when individual tourists are going to be allowed back into the country. As you know, Palestine doesn't have its own airport And if people want to come and visit Palestinians, they always have to go through the Ben-Gurion airport or they can come from Jordan, from Amman and then cross the bridge. But they'll always have to cross the Israeli border control. It's been since the 5th of March 2020 that individual tourists have not been allowed to enter the country. So we are hoping that individual tourism will pick up again. In the last two months, there were some tourist groups that arrived, but people had to register in advance and come as a group. And these visits were organized by tour operators who had to book everything in advance. And many of these groups did not even make it to Bethlehem. Today's topic of the summer short podcast episodes that I'm recording while I'm visiting my family in the Netherlands And as I don't really have that much time right now to do interviews, I'm recording short topics of things that I've learned during my studies at the Bethlehem Bible College, things that interest me and things that I would love to share with you. Today, I want to focus on a site in Bethlehem that I think is one of those hidden treasures that many people miss out on, especially people who come with organized tours. They usually come from Jerusalem, the bus parks close to the Nativity Church, and they visit the church that is built on the location where, according to the story and according to the first Christians, Jesus was born. And as you may know, if you're a listener of this podcast, I have an obsession with the history of caves because in this country, a lot of history is directly related to the caves. So Jesus was born in a cave in Bethlehem, and the Church of Nativity is built over that cave. If the group is lucky, then the tour guide will take them after a visit to the Nativity Church down towards Beit Sahur, where they visit the Shepherd's Fields. And the Shepherd's Fields is the location where, according to the Bible and according to the local tradition, the angel appeared to shepherds in the field announcing the birth of Jesus up in Bethlehem. Usually before going back to Jerusalem, there is a visit to a souvenir shop where people can buy souvenirs and that's it for their visit to Bethlehem. So they never really have a chance to walk around to do some shopping in the local souvenir shops and to see some other interesting sites in Bethlehem. And one of these sites that I find very interesting and that I think you should visit is the Milk Grotto Church. And the Milk Grotto Church is located in the, you can probably guess it, Milk Grotto Street. 
And that's just a short walk up from the Church of the Nativity. And even that walk is already worthwhile because you will pass one of the oldest parts of the city of Bethlehem. And there are several beautiful old buildings dating back to the early Ottoman time. And there are also several really nice souvenir shops and some very good olive wood workshops. And you can see craftsmen at work in those shops. And if you want to know more about Palestinian olive wood carving, then listen back to episode 20 of season 2. Now, the Milk Grotto Church is yet another church that commemorates an important story from the Bible. And as usual, also, this story relates to a cave. The story of this cave is related to what happened after the birth of Jesus, and it is written in the book of Matthew, one of the Bible books. And also, the same story is written in some of the apocryphal books, which are books that did not become part of the Bible, but they are still considered to be important accounts of what happened in those days. So let me read to you from the story of the Bible from Matthew what happened. It's called The Escape to Egypt. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So this is the story in the book of Matthew. And according to local Palestinian tradition, there are two places indicated as the place where Mary and Joseph stayed before they left to Egypt. One of these places is down from Atan Street, which is a street that connects current-day Bethlehem and Beit Sahur. And there you can find the St. Joseph Church. But this church is not really visited by tourists. The more important and known site is the Milk Grotto Church. And this is not far from the cave or the grotto where Jesus is said to have been born. So close to the Nativity Church. There are many local Palestinian Christians who believe that Mary and Joseph stayed in that nearby cave also when the Magi came. And the Magi are also referred to as the wise men or the kings from the east. They were probably astrologers and they followed the sign of the star and came to Bethlehem. And when they reached to Jerusalem first, they went to the king, King Herod. He was the Jewish client king of the Romans. And he was known as Herod the Great because he built a lot of fantastic buildings all around. He built cities and fortresses. And we should definitely speak about those in another podcast episode. He was also a very jealous man and a very paranoid man. And Herod the Great even had some of his own children killed. His own wife, Mariamne, and his mother-in-law were killed he was always afraid of treason and afraid of being cheated. So when these men came from the east and approached him to ask him if he knew where the new king was born, he was furious. 
Who was this baby that they were talking about? Who was that baby that they considered to be the new king of the Jews? But he was smart and he didn't show them that he was angry or that he was afraid. He told them that if they found this boy, that they should come and tell him where he was so that he could go and worship him too. And obviously he didn't intend to do that. He wanted to get rid of the boy, but he remained calm from the outside. Well, these magi, these wise men, after they found baby Jesus, they never came back to Herod the Great. They gifted him gold and frankincense and myrrh, remember? And now we learned at the Bethlehem Bible College that these were typical goods that were traded by the Nabataeans on the famous incense route. So that's why many people think that these magi or wise men were actually Nabataeans. And we should also do another episode about the Nabataeans in Palestine, also very interesting and many archaeological sites to visit in the south of Palestine. So after these magi visited baby Jesus, Joseph had the dream in which God warned him to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt because Herod the Great was planning to have all the young children in Bethlehem killed. This story is only found in one of the Bible books, in the book of Matthew, and I will read it for you. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And that is a prophecy from the Old Testament that he is referring to. And this story of the killing of the innocents, as it's called, has been an inspiration for many painters, especially during the Renaissance. Paintings with a lot of people, a lot of nudity, dramatic scenes, dramatic facial expressions. You can just Google the massacre of the innocents in paintings and you will see a lot of examples of that. But now, what is the story of the milk grotto? So local Palestinians say that before Joseph took Mary and Jesus to Egypt, she decided to nurse baby Jesus. And while nursing him in this cave, a drop of her mother milk fell on the ground and then all the stones inside the cave miraculously turned completely white. And it is true if you visit the cave that the stones are whiter and brighter than in other caves in the surrounding area. Now, since early Christianity, women who had the wish to become pregnant started coming to this cave and they called it the milk grotto. And they used to take some of the white stone and then use it as a powder to mix it with water and to drink it as a sign of their belief that they would become pregnant by the grace of God. And until today, women come and take from this stone. And I even have a personal testimony, though I have to admit that I am not a religious person, 
But when my husband and I got married in Palestine in 2013, I took my mom and dad, who were visiting for the wedding, to see the milk grotto. And as we were there, and as I was telling them this story, I licked my finger, touched the stones, and then licked some of the white dust from my finger. And believe it or not, but just six weeks after the wedding, I was pregnant with our first daughter, Louisa. And actually, the church receives many letters and postcards and photos of women from all over the world who became pregnant shortly after they visited the milk grotto. So in Bethlehem, it is absolutely a thing. They believe in the power of the milk grotto. So what do you see when you visit the church? It has a beautiful entrance on street level, and then there is a stairs that goes down into the cave. The facade is made by a local architect. His name is Aisa Hasbun and his wife Helena. And they vowed to Virgin Mary that they would embellish the church with a pretty facade. And this was in 1935. And if you look at the front gable, it is a clear mixture of different styles. The oriental style and the more western classic decorations with the arches and columns with capitals. And the stone that he used is a local stone quarried in the area of Bejala called the Schlebi stone. It's a reddish color. And in the middle, we see a picture of Mary nursing baby Jesus. And then on the left and right of the entrance on the columns, we see two reliefs with the story of the angel telling Joseph to flee. And then a depiction of them fleeing, Joseph, Mary and Jesus, on a donkey towards Egypt. So once you go through this entrance facade, you go down the stairs and you arrive into the grotto. And the stairs have been inlaid with beautiful mother of pearl that was brought in from Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. When you reach down in the grotto, there are several areas and several niches with statues of Virgin Mary nursing baby Jesus. And there's also a place to have a ceremony or a service. And then around the corner, there is an area where the sisters of the perpetual adorers of the Blessed Sacrament pray 24 hours per day. And these sisters, they pray in shifts at a special altar that you can see when you are standing behind a glass window. So you're looking down onto the chapel and you can see the nuns who are praying. By the way, the very first church that was built on this location was a Byzantine church dating back to the 5th century. And in that time, it was not called the Milk Grotto Church yet. It was called the St. Paula Church. Now, who was Paula? Paula was a woman who lived in Bethlehem and she was a great supporter of St. Jerome. And St. Jerome is the first one who translated the Bible from Hebrew language to the Latin language, the Vulgate. And he translated it in a grotto, in a cave under the church of the nativity. And Paula, she was a rich widow, came with her daughter, Eustochium, and they supported Jerome also financially. And they also set up a series of monasteries and convents in the area. So she may have donated for this first Byzantine church. And that's why they named it after her, the Paula Church. 
That church may have been destroyed by the Persians in 614. They destroyed most of the churches and monasteries in the area. And then in later time, the Crusaders built a new church. And that church survived until the Mamluk time when it was destroyed. And the current building that you visit is a reconstruction dating back to 1872. So that's the 19th century with the facade renovated, as I said, in 1935. Another story that I learned during my studies at the tour guide program is that the white stone of the milk grotto was not only used for fertility, but it was also sent once with the crusaders as an extra blessing when they fought against the Fatimids at the siege of Ascalan. This was in 1153. And the bishop at that time, Gerard III of Bethlehem, he brought some of the stone from the milk grotto to support the crusaders and they defeated the Egyptian Fatimid army and they took their fortress. Now you may know that the majority of the Palestinian Christians is Orthodox and that many of the Christian churches and holy sites are divided between the Orthodox, the Latins, the Catholics, the Armenians and some other Christian denominations. But the milk grotto is property of the Catholics, the Franciscans. So it is not shared with the others according to the status quo that includes nine sanctuaries in total. The milk grotto is solely under the Latin custody. And this is what I wanted to tell you about the milk grotto. Next time when you visit Bethlehem, please walk around the Nativity Church through the Milk Grotto Street and pay it a visit. It's really worth it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell others about it. That is very helpful to grow the podcast audience. You can connect on Facebook, Instagram, follow the YouTube channel and sign up for the weekly email reminder with a link to the new podcast episode. Use the link in the show notes. You can also use that link to visit my Ko-fi page where you can support the podcast with a donation. The podcast is free of advertisements only because of generous donations of listeners. And that's it. I hope you will tune in again next week.